4,000 feet, uh, speed uh, 180 knots, one double team. Hello there, welcome to the Cockpits and Cocktails podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Natalie Flygirl Kelly. also have Fly Alyssa. We have come together to talk about our lives as women in aviation. We aim to have fun, to share, and hopefully entertain you and provide some beneficial information for all you aviation lovers and enthusiasts. Please subscribe. Let us know if there's a topic you want us to discuss in the future. You can find all of us on social media. Send us a message. We'll be glad to you know, discuss one of the topics that you're interested in. For now, here is the next episode of Cockpits and Cocktails. Hi, it's Natalie Flygirl Kelly. Welcome to this episode of Cockpits and Cocktails. And it's Fly Alyssa here. We're in Chicago, and we have an extra special guest with us today. We have Sandra in from California, and Sandra is a corporate flight attendant. So we're going to learn more about what she does and how she got into this. So cheers. Cheers, ladies. Okay, Sandra, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? I have been a corporate flight attendant for about 14 years now, and a lot of people ask me how I got into it, and it's basically super simple. I followed my mom's footsteps. She's been flying for about, I'd say, 18 or 19 years now and went straight into corporate, so was fascinated with her stories, didn't know what to do quite yet with my degree. I graduated from Cal State Long Beach with a bachelor's in business marketing and was intrigued with all her stories and thought I would try it out. And 14 years later, I'm still doing it. So as soon as you got out of college, you decided to, to kind of go after this. What, what do you do? What are the steps to get into this uh, career? It is um, some a week long of training. It's the two known training groups would be flight safety or fax training lots of other programs out there but those are the two well-known training programs for corporate flight attendants and after the initial training of a week each year you have to go for recurrent which is a two-day training course now what does that entail is that more safety training for the airplane or is that um learning what your specific jobs might be or like customer service kind of things or more like safety emergency of course is um priority we're there for their safety first and foremost so we do medical training we do fire training and then there's also the service side of it you know the five-star service that a lot of these clients expect on private jets hmm okay so you fly on private jets and do you work for a company and you get you work for multiple companies or families or what do you I work for one family in particular okay. and I've been with them for almost seven years. Okay. What are some of the things you really like about being a corporate flight attendant? Um, just always a challenge. It's always putting me through a challenge, um, trying to anticipate the client's needs before they ask me for something. And of course, the traveling, thats we get to go to amazing parts of the world um, and stay for as long as the clients get to stay and enjoy, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, that sounds really exciting. Um, What are some of your favorite places you've traveled to in this job that um, kind of excites you? Or Greece, by far, has my heart. Um, We go every summer. I've just... Love the people, the cuisine, um, 
the scenery is just absolutely stunning. And Australia would be another one. Would like to go back and explore a little bit more there. It was a quick trip. Um, Italy is great. France. But most importantly, being home. (laughs) So when you travel with this family, is it like, are they going places for business or is it mostly leisure? But, But a little bit of both. Okay. They, t- they tend to tie in a little bit of pleasure with the business trips. And when you get to a location, do you have freedom to, to go be a tourist? Yes, or are you absolutely. locked to the airplane yeah, for some, can, some we're reason? Just, we're, okay. on, we're basically there in case they want to leave early or have some type of medical emergency. You never know. So we're just at their disposal. So where do you stay on these layovers? Do you stay at their accommodations? Since you're a part of this family, like you're flying for the specific family or are you, you know, staying in different places every time? It's usually a Hilton or Marriott property we'll tend to stay at and we book our own rooms. So the crew, the crew takes care of booking their own rooms. So it's pretty simple. Are you the only flight attendant on the plane? Yes, okay. I am. Do you get some kind of special training on that particular airplane as well or no? Not necessarily. No, okay. it's just... A general training. What kind of airplane is it? It's a Gulfstream 4 SP. That's so cool. That is pretty <laughs> awesome. If you guys don't know what that is, you should go and Google it right now. I love Gulfstream. But then there are so many newer models now. We've got, you know, the, the 550, the 650, and, you know, each year there's a bigger, better plane that's coming out. So the plane I work on is a little bit of an old school plane, but well, it's, that's it's still like, pretty sweet. Yeah, though. still very, awesome. very blessed. Do you know the, the crew, like the pilot and yes. the co pilot? I mean, yes. yeah, pretty well. We They've have, been with them we a while. three pilots that, mm-hmm. you know, flip flop around according to their schedules, and then it's usually just me all the time. Do you have to live in Long Beach? Is that? I don't have to. I okay. mean, the plane's based in San Luis Obispo, but I can pretty much live. A little bit outside of it, in that area. Well, how soon in advance do you get your schedule? I know. And what if you want days off? How do you do that? Um, We are allowed to have um, five hard days off a month. However, it doesn't really mean anything. I'm always having to shift those days around, um, trying to accommodate, you know, my client's schedule because I want to be available for them. Yeah, I'm gone about 20 20 days a month. Wow, that's a lot. That is a lot of yes, travel. it is, but I love what I do, that's for sure. And, and how come you decided to go the corporate route versus, like, an airline? I just don't think I would be interested in being around hundreds of people. I would get claustrophobic. It's more mm-hmm. of a personalized experience, yeah, I, I think, I would, at corporate level. And you kind of have free reign to make things personal for them. Exactly. And I think that that's something I'm interested in <clears throat> as a pilot. I think... You know, that connection is a lot of importance to me. Like, uh, everybody, you know, thinks, oh, you're a, you're a pilot. Well, I don't want to work for an airline necessarily. I, I might work private or corporate or something just because I think that would be more personal. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then creating that personal touch on the airplane is something I really like to do. And decorating the airplane for different holidays, you know, adding my own personal touch that the clients seem to really enjoy. Oh, that's cool. So do they have, like, kids, family? Sure, they have okay. grown, grown adult okay. children. And what are your duties exactly for them when they're getting ready to go on a trip? What do you do to prepare for a trip? I do it all. I am the chef, the barista, the bartender. <laughs> The personal shopper, the caterer, I mean, you name it, I do it. The florist. They like flowers? Oh, yes, yeah. they do. So you kind of know this family really well. Yes, you know what yes. they like. In yes. the beginning, 
How did you figure all that out? Y'all just communicated oh, gosh, about it. Was, it, or it was what? all on my own, you know, through working the last seven years, you get to know their likes and their dislikes. And so I'm sure in the beginning it's kind of stressful. Just mm-hmm, yes. like, are they going to like me? Are they going to be receptive of things that I, because I know we had talked about before that they like certain foods on there and you, you talked about, um, catering and I, I, that's something I never really thought about. Like, you know, long distance trips and you're cooking for them mm-hmm. and on the airplane. So I just like, how do you, how do you know or go about making things for them? It just depends. I mean, some obviously, you know, I have a microwave and an oven and a skillet on the plane. So I am a little bit limited. Say, for example, I had a client that wanted a filet. I obviously can't grill up a filet on the airplane. But what I do is go to a restaurant, order the filet, rare, and then I cook it and finish it off in the airplane. Mm, But I do a lot of um, salads on the airplane. You know, soups are always great to reheat. and then when it comes to the complicated things, I might order that from catering or pick it up from a restaurant. Hmm. Okay. But, you know, everybody's different. Every client, you know, some people expect to have a chef on the, on the plane. I am not a chef by any means. I didn't go to culinary school, but I have some good basic knowledge to, you know, make my clients happy. And they seem to be pretty satisfied. Now, does your mom, is she still flying? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. Does she, uh, was she... Uh, you mentioned she was sort of influential. Do you yes. two still chat a lot about that? Oh, and come yes. Up with we always compare little and, stories. Yeah. And, you know, she doesn't work as much as I do. But, you know, she just did a three-week trip to France. And I would love to have her job when she's done with it. Because really? <laughs> she doesn't work uh, as, much. as much as I would do. love to take yeah. over her position. Sounds but. super glamorous, doesn't it? It sounds very glamorous, but... It has to be hard being away from home mm-hmm. and not having like a home base on a regular basis. So how do you mm-hmm. go about that or deal with that? It's definitely the most challenging thing in my life, trying to, you know, even have some type of a relationship, um, you know, friendships as well. Some people just don't understand um, that I have to basically drop things at the moment if I get a call to, you know, fly out and I have to cancel and some people understand it and some people do and I've lost friends along the way so Hmm. it's just part of my life do you think you've influenced anybody else you have friends that have kind of gone into the same thing I try to to help anybody that you know wants to ask questions and I can always pinpoint them to the right direction Mm -hmm. but I cannot guarantee a job I mean Mm -hmm. I can tell somebody go to flight safety training or go to fax training but after that, that's that doesn't mean it's you get a job. Up to them. Yeah, you have to of, you have to go out and market yourself. And yeah, how do people do that? I've heard it's a really big networking kind really of career. It's really hard. I mean, before nine eleven, you know, you could actually show up to these FBOs and meet people. But now there's so much security, it's hard to get through. Um, so it's all about you know, hot, it's cold calling, cold calling a company, emailing, saying, can I you know be in contact with your chief pilot or your chief flight attendant? I'd love to send my resume. Mm. And that's how that usually mm-hmm. works. And then just being persistent. That's what a lot of girls or, you know, boys don't do is they expect after their training that they're going to get a position, but that's not the case. You just have to And that really, people are going to be looking for that. Yeah, or it's a very cutthroat yeah. industry to get into. And you just have to, like, my persistence paid off. Um, and recommendations, the, where I am right now is because I was referred to by another flight attendant. And here I am seven years later with a full-time job because of her which was great and I'll never forget that Mm -hmm. yeah so I love to pay it forward to people that are 
good flight attendants and give them as much work as if I if I can't if I can't do it, I'd love to refer somebody else to be able to do yeah. some contract flight. Sure. So what? Let's say you heard someone was looking for a corporate flight attendant. What could that person expect the process to be as far as interviewing and everything? Who do you meet with? How does all that work? Um, we meet with a chief pilot or a lead flight attendant or a few different flight attendants. Um, I never had to do this before, but a lot of companies right now are doing mock flights where they give you a budget, mm. I think of $100 or something like that, and you have to basically do a mock flight. You go into one of the planes when it's on the ground, they fire the APU up, and there's probably two or three of maybe fellow flight attendants or the chief flight attendant on the plane, and they're basically judging you and critiquing you the whole time. Really? Yes. Yeah. It's like the most intense yes. interview. <laughs> I've never done it. I haven't, but I know that's how it works these days. Okay. So you're given a budget. Yes, and then they'll, they'll pay you back, of course. For, okay. say, hey, here's $100. Let's see what you can do with it. Yeah. But you personally, when you go on these trips, they give you a certain budget for flowers, for food, for how does that work? Mm, it depends on the account. Mine, I don't really have a budget. Um, but of course I'm always trying to be cost effective and mm-hmm. if I can get something at the grocery store, you know, versus ordering it for catering from a catering, I could definitely do that. Cause I mean, you should see some of these prices that caterers charge. It is insane. It's just, well, what about like creating something at your home? Is that something that you would like, like fix something up at home, box it up. I mean, I love to cook. Yes. So that'd be something... I mean, this is sounding pretty lavish. I mean, I I would love to cook for people and feed people. And mm-hmm. I'm, I'm definitely that um, outgoing person. I think it'd be mm-hmm. kind of fun to cater to people and like see and get to know the family so, so, seems really cool yeah, yeah so would you ever like prepare a meal before at home or? it's a little challenging because i do have to airline out from lax sure. to san luis obispo um, for every trip or i could drive but i mean it's a four-hour drive i'd rather airline it's a 40 mm-hmm. minute flight mm-hmm. um but i mean it's if i was close by and i lived there i would absolutely be a little bit more inclined to cooking and bringing things from home i did not think about you flying so much commercial so you're flying a lot oh yeah out of lax yes I mean, and then I airline, and then I'll airline home too. So it's a lot of back and forth. I'm assuming you clean the airplane and all that stuff as well. You're responsible for that. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then when it goes back to home base, we do have um, a detail team, like professional detailers that will detail the plane Mm -hmm. every so often. And what would happen? Let's say you lose your job. They decide that they don't. They're not going to do this anymore. Then what would what would you do at that point? I would just go to contract and try to get back in touch with all of my contacts that I used to fly with because I was contract um, for about 13 years. I never got hired full-time and I worked with this company for about six years until they finally let me be full-time. Hmm. So with this company, you say you work for a company, are you directly paid from the client that you're flying with or are you directly paid from a company that you're contracted through but specifically set with this client. Exactly. It's the company that manages the airplane that pays me. Hmm. Okay, cool. So tell me about, um, maybe you can just tell us something fun, like one of the craziest like experiences you had on a trip or something mm. like that, or most challenging or whatever. It's something that really sticks out in your mind as memorable. Oh, gosh. You have a lot? I have a lot of them. <laughs> I'm trying to think of one that's somewhat appropriate and... Um, just basically one client got naked on me and it was really awkward and uncomfortable, but... Did they know you were there yes, on the flying? Yes, 
it was just very bizarre. Were they like napping? Or no, I like, think he just, just had a little bit too much wine oops. and thought he might have. Yeah, I don't know. It was just very bizarre. I mean, I've heard. I've heard of people getting arrested on flights for like running through the aisles naked, but never on like a corporate flight. <laughs> no, like I'd be like, just huh? Interesting. Yeah, that is interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, at that point, you're the flight attendant. You're probably the only person on board besides mm-hmm. the pilots. Yes. So how do you how, how would you handle a situation if your client or your client's friends or somebody got a little out of hand? Like who? Well, I basically have to go up to the captain and he's, he's ultimately the one in charge. So if I, you know, felt uncomfortable, like I did with the situation and I kind of just stayed near the cockpit while he went to the back and tried to figure out what was going on. But yeah, I don't think he ever put his clothes on the rest of the flight. (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) That's crazy. I mean... Either he's like a naked, like was, naked drunk. Huh? It was he weird, and I did, I did serve him when he was naked. It was very awkward. <laughs> oh Maybe my. he's just comfortable in his own skin. I know, but I guess it was, so. it was very bizarre. Huh? So, do you t- what, like what kind of income can people expect if they're just getting into it? Gosh, I don't know what the starting pay mm. is right now, to be exact. But I know I hear really low pay from probably forty thousand up to you know. Well over in six figure range. Okay, um, it just depends on every account is different. Mm-hmm. Wow, it's like what you're worth, you know. Mm-hmm. Like if you're starting out and yes. you're not really doing all of the things, mm-hmm. or if you're you know just getting acquainted with this client or something, versus you know a higher end client. Mm-hmm. You know, I guess it would just depend on like what you're flying, how often you're flying, yeah, exactly. and what services you are really providing to exactly. them. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very interesting. I think it seems like a pretty pretty cool thing. Like, you know, Natalie and I are both pilots. You know, being in the aviation world, like I'm obsessed with airplanes, but like did you do you ever um did you ever have dreams of being a pilot for one of these corporate positions? Absolutely not. No, okay. no desire. Yeah. Yeah. Now we met in Reno. Yes. Did we met in Reno? Yes. Yeah. And do you typically go to air shows, or what made I, you decide to go to I Reno? I started to about a year or two ago, and it's just because I just decided to start flying and working on my private pilot license. Oh, cool. So you're working on your, yes. your private. It's been okay. about a two-year process to try to get this done, only because I do travel. I'm gone 20 days a month, so yeah. it's taken me a lot longer than the normal person because I'm just Starting not fresh. And I'm not different yeah. schedule. I'm you not just, consistent, yeah. too. Yeah. So. And what made you decide to do that? Um, a friend took me up for aerobatics one day, and I just was hooked. I was, I was very interested and said I need to learn how to fly. And so. you fly out of um, Orange County? Oh, yes, Orange County, John, yeah. John Wayne Airport. Right. Well, that's a busy yeah. airport to be learning to fly. Is, yes, yeah. it's been quite the challenge, but right now I have about almost 200 hours. Um, most of it's spent on the ground <laughs> trying to get out. Um, 20 minutes, you know, sometimes to taxi and hold for a whole bunch of other aircrafts. Yeah, I think that, see, where I fly, it's, it's, we're kind of far enough from Cincinnati, which would be the busiest area. I don't deal with a lot, like it's, there's no tower, there's, it's just, you know, so that would be really interesting. It's been And frustrating, being on the ground for so long, just taxiing and getting actually into the air. Yeah, I, I learned it um, at a non-towered airport, and 
I mean, if there was one other airplane in the airspace that was lucky, you know, to get a little time <laughs> talking to somebody else. You know, now I fly out of Springfield and, you know, it's, it's really nice working at a towered airport, I feel like, because they just give you all the directions. You know, mm-hmm. that's really great. But for you, yeah, like taxiing and, and like if you're trying to do pattern work, like oh, yes. you, you said the other day that, you know, we had talked about, you know, pattern work and you're like, sometimes it's not even available. And I'm like, what do you mean it's mm-hmm. not available? Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. so especially lately, they've um, John Wayne Airport's had some staffing issues. And every day I'm trying to fly, I hear that, you know, ADIS saying pattern is closed. Oh, so, wow. Wow. Um, thank God I'm not working on my landings right now. But I, I feel for the people that are trying to learn out of John Wayne and they have to go fly to another airport. Yeah. And it's about 20 minutes to yeah. get to another airport. Right. Yeah. So it's interesting because I like people that I think train at uncontrolled, you know, non-towered fields um, are very intimidated by fields that are towered Mm -hmm. or vice versa. But it's It's vice versa for you. So are you comfortable flying to non-towered fields? Do you do that? I don't like it. I do. And I've done a lot of flying to French Valley and um, Hemet. But, you know, you got to be on it. you got to look for the traffic. Is there a lot of traffic? Oh, yes. I mean, I, got, California, I, I did get cut off at French Valley. I mean, you just have to really watch it. So I do feel more comfortable at John Wayne. Really? Yes. Yeah, yeah going to, from a non-towered to towered, I, you know, I, I feel comfortable now talking to ATC and all of those things. But at the same time, like, if you think about it, non-towered... You know, people could not have radios. You have to join the pattern correctly. People could just be doing stupid things. Mm-hmm. Like, you really have to think about it. And at a tower, they have everybody on, you know, frequency. Like, everybody's on the same page. But, I mean, it's just... I would think your situational awareness would not be, like... I feel like if you're not at a, not, uh, at a non-towered field, then you really are aware and you're listening to where people are stating sure. they are and paying attention. You probably don't do that as much. Oh, I mean, I still you, do. You have you to. You do? Okay. two really busy active runways and, you know, especially, you know, holding, there's an, a jet, you know, holding in between the runways and then one about to land and mm-hmm. you're dealing with, you know, the jet blast coming in and the wake turbulence of a plane just taking off and, you know, there's been a couple times where I'm about to try to land, and you just feel, you feel that wake turbulence, and I just like I'm Ooh, going around because I'm not a, I'm not panic. about to you know fight yeah. this to get the plane on the ground. Yeah. So. Now, when you're flying in your corporate job, are you thinking about general aviation pilots? Because you know, as general aviation pilots, I'm always thinking about these jets and cool things mm-hmm. that are flying in and out, and I'm like, ah, oh, cool, you know. But like, I'm pulling up and holding short or something. And you, you definitely, in a smaller aircraft, um, you know, I play, I fly archers mainly, and you really have to pay attention to what's in front of you or what's coming in. Mm-hmm. But, like, I'm kind of a nerd in the sense that, like, I always have my foreflight pulled up, and I'm checking out, like, the winds and everything, even on a commercial mm-hmm. flight. Like, is that something that you do in your job? <laughs> I do, yes, absolutely. I mean, I'm always, I like to sit up front. Mm-hmm. with the with the boys and listen to their communications it's definitely helped me oh, with my bet. training i yeah. think my strongest points with um you know becoming a private pilot would be the radio communications because i have heard it mm-hmm. for the last 14 years so that would definitely be like the easiest part yeah. of learning how to fly for me True. 
I think that was the scariest part of my training. Really? The communication? The communications. Because mm-hmm. I just feel that fear of screwing up and then oh. being like, who oh, in yes. the heck is this on the radios? Especially because I'm female. Of course. So I just don't want to feel like an outsider when it, that happens. But yeah, yeah I think that would be really yeah. great that you were like strong in that. If you department. can handle flying in and out of John Wayne, I would think you can pretty much handle anything. Yeah. I mean, you're doing the comms. You're, you're dealing oh, with yes. all the traffic. That's, yeah. I'm almost envious, actually, because you're thrown into, like, everything. Oh, yeah, and then flying through the class Bravo yeah. as well. I mean, it's, Yeah, that's a very congested so, area. It's just so busy. Yeah, but, so what's one of your favorite places that you've flown yourself, like, in your lessons and things? Have you flown out to, like, Catalina I Island? Think, I, always I have done, oh, yes. 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 Yeah. What was that like? Um, well, I had to have an instructor with me, of course, because mm-hmm. um, you can't fly there until you get checked out. Um, but it was great. I love, I love Catalina. They did, they just repaved the runway recently. So wow. it's great. It's a lot better than what it used to be. I never landed there before, but everybody says it's a lot better than what it used to be. I love flying to Camarillo. It's a great, you know, straight shot in. It's fun actually kind of flying through the class Bravo, um, special flight rules area. Um, so, and they have a great restaurant over there. So what about like aviation events and things like what? What have been some of your highlights of this year or the last couple years? Well, meeting you two girls at the Reno Air Races <laughs> was definitely <laughs> a highlight of the year because I think we have oh. this amazing friendship that's never going to go away and this special bond. Yeah, just so you guys know, we're in Chicago right now and we're just having a girls weekend because I think we're all a little bit sad over the winter that we don't get to see each other as often because there's not as many air shows and just meet up. We have no good excuses to like... Yeah, so it's like when you have something in common like this, you just, um, you have this crazy connection without even knowing their personalities at Mm. first because, you know, Reno um, was kind of funny because I had no intentions of going into Reno and I actually didn't even know what Reno air races were. So I was like, hey, let's um, look at this because Sandra and I had been friends on probably Instagram and Facebook for about six months. And um, the amazing thing about social media is like, you know, we follow each other and we see each other's journeys and like we support each other. But at the same time, like we don't know one another. Mm -hmm. So Sandra had reached out to me and said, hey girl, are you going to the Reno Air Races? And I was like, nah. I think you texted me. You're like, are you going to the Reno Air Races? I'm trying to decide. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was like, I'm Mm -hmm. trying to decide. Like Sandra's messaging me and I, I thought Natalie was going and and so I was like, you know, I'd love to go, but I just don't have the means or, you know, the connections that might work out po- perfectly. So uh, Sandra was like, well, I have a room and you're welcome to stay. And Natalie was like, yeah, I'm working, you know, for a company. So I'm going to be there and, um, or, you know, with a team mm-hmm. and I'll be there. And, and so a week before the race, I was like, I'm in, <laughs> booked the flight. May have cost me a little bit more money, but <laughs> it was totally worth it. We made awesome friendships, yes. and I think that's the amazing thing about aviation, whether you're in um, corporate or airline or air shows or just private, um, social media has kind of brought everything together for all of us, and now we're in Chicago having cocktails in our hotel room <laughs> recording podcasts. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, so what else have you done um, as far as aviation events other than Reno that you... I did go to the High Sierra Fly-In. Oh, okay. That was fun. I wish you girls were there. Talk about what that is. Um, well, I 
got in kind of late on a Friday night, um, and the weather was really bad on Saturday, so they decided to do the stole drag races Friday, so I didn't get to see any of that, unfortunately. So and is it all about the stole drag yeah, races? Is all, that what Hacienda is? It's all stole is. drag racing. Okay. I mean, it's an incredible event. I, would, I can't wait to go back next year, and hopefully the wet weather will be better, and I was hoping to go with you girls, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> so stole drag, like, can you explain to people that might not know what it is? Mm-hmm what it might entail you might be able to describe it a little bit more than me i think you know more <laughs> than i do about it so stole drag is short takeoff and landing they actually just got picked up by reno air races when we were there yes. so that's pretty cool um a new um class of racing mm-hmm. um they actually start from a dead stop they take off as fast as they can they fly low and then they have a finish line on the other side where they have to take and put a slip into the airplane to slow them down enough to land the airplane safely, come to a complete stop. They have to pass this line and then they have to spin around three or 180, mm-hmm. turn around, take off again, get airborne and go to the other side where they started and do the exact same thing. So they put a slip in, stop, and whoever comes to a complete stop at the end of that is the winner of the race. So High Sierra is based on this specific type of racing. It's more bush planes and backcountry flying. Mm-hmm. And these are very experienced pilots. These are not you and I no. learning how to fly in a... And this is not a runway, right? No, I mean, they, they kind of put one together, I guess you could say, in a way with, like, with cones and okay. whatnot. But. Yeah, the High Sierra is a dried-up lake bed yes. that they turn into this camping, flying party, yes, kind of. Yes. And it's kind of amazing what they've done with that. So, How long um, has it been going on? Was this... I'm not sure. I feel like I hadn't heard about it a whole lot until yeah. more recently. It's becoming quite popular. I right? honestly think this was like the seventh year, eighth okay. year, or tenth year, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, newer. But I think it started as something as a like the Bush Pilots like small group, and I think it's now grown and it's you know um, actually a race at Reno, which is pretty prestigious. Yes. And that's really amazing for the guys um, that kind of came up with this. But I wonder where it's going to take it because I feel like aviation has really, the bush pilot life is now the the standard. You know, this, mm-hmm. it's like, becoming very everybody trendy. wants to yeah, get, everybody wants trendy. to get a tailwheel airplane and bush tires, mm-hmm. bush wheels, yeah. and, yeah. you know, do these backcountry things. Mm-hmm. And I was shocked by how expensive the airplanes were. Oh, yeah, Because I thought, it, like, they look so basic, you know, when you look at They're these airplanes. They're lightweight. They're fabric covered, mostly. And a lot of these pilots, Steve Henry, for instance, or um, Hal, he... They have made these airplanes. It's like, I think Hal's airplane is like the flying lawnmower or something. But it's, you know, some of these pilots have hundreds of thousands of dollars in these airplanes. But some of these pilots have very minimal. I mean, Steve Henry is putting in snowmobile engines in in their 300 horsepower. So they're crazy winding up. Mm-hmm. But they're super powerful, but they're making them work for airplane applications. So, I mean, it's it's kind of a broad spectrum, but the airplanes are kind of crazy expensive. Are they mostly, um, like, 
the airplane they buy an airplane and they like soup it up and they make modifications modifications yeah mm-hmm. i think it's making it as light as possible have as much power as possible and you know most people think of power as in the airplane's gonna go 300 miles per hour but these airplanes are very powerful to get them off the ground to produce enough quickly, power yeah. quickly and you know hal's air or not Hal, um steve's airplane i feel like you know, it was a 300 horsepower engine. It got us off the ground really fast, but I think like the cruise was 130. So not any faster than your average Piper or Cessna or something, but your takeoff is so much faster. But these kind of airplanes, like bush planes, they are, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, like I'm thinking they are made to land kind of like anywhere. And they have to be able to do the short field takeoff and landings because mm-hmm. you could be in the mountains or something Trees, like that. yeah. Mm-hmm. Like Alaska-type things like that. That's what I picture. Is that what you... Yeah, for yeah. sure. Mm-hmm. Idaho, Alaska, just backcountry. And, I mean, like, even we have um, Rogers International Airway. It's down in Kentucky. And, you know, it's maybe... A twelve hundred foot strip or something, but there's trees on both sides, trees on every end. It's one way in, one way out, and you have to be very experienced and know how to deal with your airplane in those situations. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, I think it's the strength of them. It's not like necessarily the fastest takeoff and landing. It's it's more knowing how to handle your airplane to get out of those situations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, the racing is really great, but most of the time those are in open areas. Yeah. What's cool about those are that you can kind of go anywhere and kind of off the beaten path sure. somewhat. Not just your regular runway. You can go places that I couldn't go in my mm-hmm. Hyper Archer and pretty much put it down wherever you want yes. to. And then just like camp there. Yeah, exactly. That'd be, really That'd cool. be so much fun. Camping is so fun. Yeah. I would and love that. Plane. Just be around, like nobody else around you. That just sounds... Mm-hmm. Now, is that something Incredible. you're super interested in? I, am. Like, I have not flown a tailwheel yet, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely curious to see what it's about, and we'll definitely pursue the tailwheel endorsement, I believe, after this private. So, so what is your, yeah, maybe you're going to say the same thing. What are, What is your goal with the flying? This is just for license? fun. I have no desire to go into, um, you know, commercial being a commercial pilot. This is just for fun. Eventually purchase my own aircraft. I don't know what that's going to be quite yet. Mm-hmm. Do I want to get, um, you know, everybody asks me, what kind of plane do you want? What kind of plane do you want? And I say, you know what, I'm not sure. Do I go with a trainer, you know, a Piper Cherokee, a Cessna one? 72 or do I maybe want to get some training in a tailwheel see how I like that and then maybe purchase a tail I just don't know right now I'm I'm so Hmm. indecisive but I think maybe after I fly for a little bit and get a little bit more experience I will make that decision I think the biggest thing with choosing an airplane maybe that you want to purchase is maybe going and flying something very similar Mm -hmm. to what you are interested in because you know, I've flown a lot of airplanes, and there's things like a 172. A lot of people fly them, but I just I don't feel as stable in them as a Piper mm-hmm. lowing. Yeah. But then I flew a Scout across country, and I, I I almost would rather have you know a Scout, even though it's a two seater, more of a bush plane. It has the same speeds as an Archer, so you know it's really finding what you're comfortable in and and you know we all love the look of those big wheels on a um a bush plane but at the same time like i've flown them now and i'm like 
these are insane on pavement. So Mm -hmm. is it feasible for where I live? Mm -hmm. So it's really, I think, go and fly what you're looking at and then see what really feels good to you. Exactly. And especially everybody says, what's your mission? And it's just for fun. But I do want to get into mountain flying and um, I want to be able to fly to Lake Tahoe for a weekend. So I will definitely have to get at least a minimum of 180 horsepower of an airplane. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm. Um, what does your family think about it? Is, is anyone in aviation in your family? Or they fly just, other than being the corporate just, flight no, attendant? Just my mom's yeah. corporate flight attendant, and that's it. And my dad says um, he's really proud of me. He's always wanted to learn how to fly, so he will be my first passenger oh, cool. after I get my that's license. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So. What's the training been like for you? What's the hardest part? Or Oh, that's such a great question. <laughs> Where do we start? <laughs> I have so many stories about my training it has not been the best, but I finally got the best instructor to wrap up my training with. But I did start with the Diamond Star 40 that my company provides as the employee flight department airplane to learn on or mm. to you know build your hours nice. for an amazing price. Yeah. And then um, that plane just tended to be in maintenance quite a bit mm. and decided to swap to the 172 and finish it up. So Okay. Okay, cool. But, yeah, just all fun. Flying for fun. Yeah, I think that's the best part. Like, you know, I'm, I've been, like, lingering in this starting IFR, starting, you know, more because I do want to pursue it eventually. I kind of see it as my retirement plan. And, you know, I'm only 31, but, like, my retirement plan's like, more at 35. <laughs> so, you know, it's... It's, uh, I think once I found aviation, it was kind of, I got ate up with it. You know, the people, the the experiences, you know, the bush flying, the just life that you live so much. And I feel like there's so many people out there that have never got the opportunity to see these kinds of things. Um, And and I definitely didn't. I grew up very, um, I wouldn't say poor, but I grew up very... We, we weren't wealthy, so I didn't know anybody that was a pilot, and getting into this was very strange for my family, but um, now they think it's really cool, but they still don't get it, and so it's it's finding like friends like you guys that make it all work for me in my mind, and starting IFR is not fun flying, as we all know, if you have done IFR, but um, I think it's very um, something that I need to pursue, and, um, you know, are are you going to do your IFR to be a safer pilot, or are you, like, a little bit scared now? We were just talking about this, and I was overachiever and wanted to go straight into instrument training after this private and I just recently decided I'm absolutely not going to Mm. I'm going to just take a break gain some experience flying around maybe change my mind I know I know everybody says it'll make you a safer pilot and it's the biggest accomplishment accomplishment but Mm I don't right now. It's, I don't have it in my heart, but maybe I my mind. I feel like in California, maybe um, so I wouldn't say you wouldn't need it as much. We always think of the weather being so great there. It is, but we do have that marine layer yeah. that just sticks around. Yeah. And there have been flights I've been on with friends that have you know their own airplanes, and a great story would be we took off from Long Beach. It became IFR, so we couldn't land back in Long Beach. We had to land in El Monte and leave the plane there, and then Uber back to Long Beach. So wow, it was a great little learning experience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Now, um, if you could have one place that you flew into yourself in the entire U.S. or Canada or Mexico, because we are legally able to fly there, um, where would you pick to fly into? That is such a great question. I don't think I could pick one, but I am so intrigued with some Ala- flying in Alaska and Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to pick one spot, but I see beautiful pictures. Yeah. And it's very inspiring. Yeah. What are your plans as far as like aviation events this upcoming year? Oh, gosh. Um, well, I would love to go to Sun and Fun. Mm-hmm. And then Oshkosh. Of course, I've, I would love to go to Oshkosh, too. But it just depends on my work schedule mm-hmm. if I can take the time off. Yeah. I yeah. hope to see you girls there, of course. Yeah. yeah, I hope so. We were talking a little bit about that and how difficult it is to get a decent hotel, how expensive mm-hmm. it is. Yes. And I think, you know, this year I'm going to... I've done the hotel thing at Sun and Fun. I've done a, an RV there at Sun and Fun. And I think this year will be my first year I'll actually, like, camp in a tent. Natalie, I don't fly see girl Kelly is going to camp in a tent. Y'all heard it. I'm going to hold her to this. Um, uh, we might need, like, the Taj Mahal of tents. <laughs> but... I might have to come and do her hair even. I know. I, know. I just don't see that happening. So I would, I would, I would love to see it. So yeah. my son and fun experience was my first time ever to an air show in my life was flying in with friends and we camped. And so that's like nostalgia to me. Like that is where it's at. And that's where you get to meet the most people. Mm-hmm. I'm there from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. And I pretty much don't sleep because I'm on like cloud nine at Sun and Fun. Like I know everybody obsesses over Oshkosh and but Oshkosh is so widespread and so crazy and and I feel so sh- stretched thin. Like you take a piece of taffy and you stretch it out and I'm in that middle. Mm-hmm. And so Sun and Fun is kind of that happy medium. Like you get all of the things, you get to go camping, you get to see all your friends, your companies that you love, and they even have a really good good coffee truck on on the grounds mm-hmm. and I don't ever have to leave if I camp mm-hmm. and I have not flown in there by myself yet. I flew with some friends, the first air show I ever went to, which was 2018. But, um, this year, uh, my friend Rupert from Aust- Austria is coming and we plan on flying in. Uh, so I'm counting on you Rupert to get me in there. <laughs> and I mean, it's gotta be easier than Oshkosh, right? Like I would think. Yeah. yeah. So. I, I have to, I'm pretty nervous about the camping thing. I mean, because I'm, I'm like, what are these showers are going to be like? I can deal with. I'm like, okay, I can do it for like a week. It's just a week. It's they like, have showers. It's not, um, you know, it's not the Four Seasons, but <laughs> it definitely like wear flip flops, you know, for your shower because it's really nice shower houses. But it's when concrete. do you decompress? Like that's another thing. You're so it's so social. And at, at times, I can just be completely zapped and worn out, and I'm just like, I have got to find somewhere to, like, chill and be So alive. you go to your tent. You go camp under your tent or under your airplane mm-hmm. in your tent, and you just watch the airplanes, or you just chill out in your tent. I took a cooler full of food and snacks and maybe some wine, and, you know, and you just kind of decompress. But honestly, like, I feel like a week, okay, I can push through a week of... You know, but sometimes you do want your space mm-hmm. and 
But, you know, go take a nap. It's hard to find there. There's a lot of people there. But but Fun and Fun is so much smaller Mm -hmm. than Oshkosh. And I feel like it's... It's kind of more relaxed atmosphere now that I've experienced both. Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem as crazy. Mm-hmm. And you guys definitely need to go to Sun and Fun just for the waffles at the Sun and Fun Radio. Don't tell anybody oh, I yeah, told you. Yeah. Sorry, Trevor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I really like Sun and Fun because I feel like it's kind of like, like the kickoff for the whole like season. Show season. Yeah. yeah it's air like shows. It's, it's on. You know, once you go there, and of course, I love Florida. I love the sunshine. I love to get down there and just be like basking in the sun and it's um it's uh, i probably like it better than oshkosh yeah for sure and what other major shows are coming up too besides sun and fun and oshkosh are there other ones that those are the two big I ones you can find about? something every weekend yeah. every weekend starts, like yeah several. yeah i, I mean about that there's, there's so many fly-in camp outs events I mean, there's corporate events, there's um, air shows everywhere, and I mean, any anything from, like, the Blue Angels to oh, yeah. um, aero shell. Like, I mean, you can find amazing aero shells, aero shells, well, uh, you can find amazing air shows anywhere out throughout the U.S., mm-hmm. pretty much from Sun and Fun, which is in April, all the way through September, like, no, like October. November, like Dallas and Wings yeah. over Houston, I think is mm-hmm. in November. I mean, yeah. it's October, but it goes it goes on for a long time. That's the problem. That's my that's my problem. I want to go like every we are show like every weekend. We are on like speed from April to November, <laughs> November, and honestly, I'm okay with that. But now I'm kind of feeling like I don't have any friends through the winter. <laughs> And so if y'all could just give me a shout out through the winter, Mm -hmm. like, hey, cool. It's very different, isn't it? It's kind of like, I need to be going somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, what's going on? Maybe that's why we wound up coming to Chicago. It's kind of (laughs) like, we got to do something. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, you know, having, having people in aviation is just amazing because now that, you know, I have this widespread friendship with anybody who's a pilot pretty much yes. you know i can go to anywhere and meet someone and and that's really how it bridged our relationship mm-hmm. with sandra and you know i'm i'm very thankful especially on this thanksgiving weekend yes that yeah. we are together and get to share our love of yeah airplanes hobbies that's right yeah well, thank you, Sandra. Is there anything else you would say to anyone maybe that might be interested in um, a corporate aviation just career? Just don't give up. I know a lot of people that went through the training and kind of just gave up and weren't persistent. So just keep Because they weren't getting immediate yeah, callbacks so or something? you just have to keep, keep going and keep knocking on doors via email calls. Oh, I did want to ask, how much, like, when they go to these flight safety things, like, how much does it cost? What are they going to invest in that? Four, I think it's about 4000 Okay. It could be more. That that, okay. may, that might be from a couple years ago. Okay. And that's as for, a, like, a week. Yes. And as mm-hmm. a contractor, you do pay that yourself. And then if you do have a full-time job, usually the company will take care of that for you. So. Okay. But yeah, just... Don't don't give up hope. Just keep going for it, and um, you know it'll come. Tell us where to find you on social media in case someone wants to reach out to you and ask you a question. So, great question. Global girl is my Instagram handle. Just global G L O B A L girl G I R L. Super simple. And then on my Facebook, it's Sandra Janine S A U N D R A. 
and then j-e-a-n-n-i-n-e yes if you guys need any help in that realm or um any questions feel free to shoot us a message yeah Yeah. feel free to ask any questions i'm more than happy to help yeah well that was really fun you were nervous about it how how do you think it went (sighs) i'm just super shy and timid at first (laughs) (laughs) but you girls make it easy (laughs) cheers to being all right yeah all right cheers Cheers. thanks for joining been listening to cockpits and cocktails with your hosts natalie fly girl kelly and fly Alyssa. subscribe wherever you get your podcast and join us next time for a lively discussion on aviation aerospace the air travel industry and all things flight related yeah,